Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. On this subject of preparedness, there are so many options and ideas of what to do, what to think, that it's all very individualized about what our choices actually are. We must investigate through our own orientation what to do. As we consider what our many concerns are, then we have to make a plan as we consider these possibilities and then do something. Everyone has different thoughts and different concerns. And what I hope to do is give you ideas, and some of these ideas will seem good to you, and some of them won't. But I hope to inspire your thoughts so that you can investigate what you want to do. There's lots of people who would be willing to tell you what to do, but I believe your own ideas are the best ones, and those are the ones that you will follow. You will do those things. So find out what your concerns are and give yourself answers about how to meet those concerns. You might even consider, what if you had no budget? Now, if you had no budget, this will let you freely identify your solutions to the problems you see. And after this consideration, then you rein in the possibilities and consider that you do have a budget. So the idea is to inspire you to think about the what if. What do you do if something to arise? So you think about it and come up with some ideas. Now, I am talking to you about stopping difficulties, whether they be death or suffering. So take some steps now. Examine what it is you want to consider, and you start with the basics, and then you get more things along the way. Now, the most basic thing is water. That is the first item of importance. Store some water, because if no water came out of your faucet, where would you get it? Not easy. Okay, the easiest thing is store some. Then you want to have some food. Now, I like grains and even dehydrated foods like vegetables. So, get grains, get wheat, get any other grains you want. Get sugar, oil, and salt, vitamins and flavorings, a wheat grinder. All these things are what you really need. You can also grow wheatgrass juice. It's incredibly nutritious. So, then you want a cast iron pot because you need iron in your body. So, those are the basics of food. Get warm clothes and a a sleeping bag. Remember to have walking shoes, and for most people that'll be boots. Maybe even get two pairs. There's a few extra things that are handy to have, like matches or a magnifying glass. Maybe you want to do some things for a shelter, maybe a makeshift shelter like a tent. All these things are good, but you get to figure it out. Have a flashlight, have a radio, have plenty of batteries. There's all sorts of things where you can do. Make your own list. But whatever you do, start thinking about it, get a list, and then you take those steps to start your preparations now. Before there's an urgent need, and what you want is hard to find. So this is episode 41, and remember to give thanks to God for the many, many blessings in your life that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. 
Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Settle up your Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the whole world. Welcome to Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all packed program today, a different kind of a program. I've got one topic I want to settle on, but I have a potpourri, or as I used to say when I was younger, a potpourri of topics I'm going to, I'm going to blaze through to get to our main topic of the day, and we are back to Omar, the Jew hater, and what is going on in this country, which is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you've got a comment, you can write me info at redskyradio.net, info at redskyradio.net. Well, let's get rolling. As I always say, we start with good news. Try to end with good news in between. Hang on. It's a wild ride. And I'm going to try something a little different today. If it works out right, I am going to try to put a little piece. Actually, it's a little piece, but of great news in the middle. Because it seems like that's a long time without some good news somewhere between the opening and the closing. Leading off in no particular order, I want to, I just tip my hand here to President Trump last, this past week, who um, hosted, I think it was North Dakota State University football team. They won a division something championship because notwithstanding, the pressure and the criticism to not serve Chick-fil-A, one of the few remaining truly godly businesses in this country. The queers hate it because they get convicted about their LGBTQ, WXYZ sin. But Trump went ahead, and Trump has been lambasted by every, every queer group out there. Every homosexual group has attacked him, saying, how can you support this virulently anti-LGBTQ? No, they don't say all that. I say it. Group, how can you, how can you support this virulently anti-LGBT company? Because Trump's got guts. Because Trump knows what right is. The guy somehow distinguishes between right and wrong, even if by accident. Now, but here's what's really ticked off the, the queer crowd. What really ticked them off is Trump came out and said, you know, why do we serve Chick-fil-A? It's what the players wanted. So the real issue is not with Trump. It's the fact that here are 18, 19, 20-year-old men who still haven't bought the homosexual lie that somehow it's, it's, uh, it's hate when you don't support all the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ agenda. Well, you know what? It's okay to hate all the disease that comes from that behavior. It's okay to hate sodomy. It's okay to hate the child molestation, which is rampant in the queer community. Just check out the Catholic Church. It's a den of pedophiles. 
homosexual pedophiles. God bless you, Trump, for doing that, President, Mr. President. And you got that you got that football team behind you. Number two, along the same line, good news, Christian Baker Jack Phillips scores a second major victory after continuous harassment by all the queer activists who constitute, make up, and define the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Interesting, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission could not give a rat's rear end about Jack Phillips' civil rights. So, you know, he wouldn't make that cake celebrating queer marriage. Because it, make a cake for two homosexuals, fine. But then force him to do something that conflicts with his religious beliefs. There was nothing, nothing conflicted with his religious beliefs about sell, selling a cake to homosexuals. But then to force him to put on all the, the queer stuff on top of the cake, that's where he got taken to court. He sued on that. He went, won on the same day that the Supreme Court took that matter up. A tra- tranny, couple of tranny queens came in and wanted a tranny cake. And now they sued him on this, and he has won on this in the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which has nothing concerning Christian civil rights, lost again. They need to pay Jack Phillips millions and millions of dollars. I don't think he's going to get a dime. All he's going to get, I think, is free legal service. But they lost again. And I, it, it's just, that's why I call them, people say, hey, you're really anti, you know, queer this, queer that. No, I am, I, well, the things they do, I am against. There are things that are okay to hate about that behavior. No question about it. I will never quit saying that. If they yank me off the air, so be it. I'm not going to quit saying it. As far as that cake thing, suppose, okay, so you got a couple of skinheads, neo-Nazis, come into your bakery. They want a cake made. Do you make a cake? Of course you do. Do you Then they say, look, we don't want just a cake. We want a cake that says KKK on it. We want, we want it to say, Ku Klux, long live the Ku Klux Klan and David Duke. And the baker's black. Do you think the baker has to put up with that garbage? Absolutely not. Do you think a couple of neo-Nazis come in and they want a cake and it's a Jewish baker? Do you think the Jewish baker needs to bake the cake? Yes. Do you think the Jewish baker needs to make the cake if the guys want a swastika on the cake? Of course not. You know, the stupidity of the left just continues to boggle my mind. But God bless you, Jack. Well... Number, well, no, wait a minute. We are at the end of the good news. Man, that went fast, didn't it? Okay. Like I said, I got a little piece snuck in the middle of this program. Now we're going to, we're to the potpourri section. Every single piece is going to be a different topic here. And I'm going to kind of whiz through these things as fast as I can, because I just feel like I want to sort of get them out of the way. I don't know who will find which one's significant. But I can guarantee you, you probably have heard little to nothing about the next three or four pieces. Obama gives a speech the other day at, uh, where was he? He was out of the country, gave the speech somewhere. It doesn't really matter where he gave the speech. But he was telling people that really what the world, the world would be a better place if we had a million Barack's and Michelle's. This isn't somebody talking about Obama. This is Obama talking about himself. In other words, if you could clone a million of me and a million of my wife, the world would be a better place. Well, for about five minutes until God brings down a judgment. But this is just amazing. Now, I have never, ever defended Trump's narcissism. Is he a narcissist? Absolutely. Is Obama a narcissist? Absolutely. He just just reveals it in different ways. But this is one of the interesting things here, and I've pointed out this difference in the past. Trump's narcissism is based on actually succeeding and doing something good and who has actually accomplished something. All Barack Hussein did was pick up a Nobel Peace Prize for winning an election. See, you see, Trump beats him in the accomplishment department. And I'm not say, saying that that gives you the right to be narcissistic, but I guess it gives you a base for saying that there's a legitimacy to it, even though you shouldn't be that way. I mean, Trump, Trump has at least done something to brag about. 
But those one million that you want, Brock, of yourself, you want to clone a million of you and a million of Michelle? Well, maybe that million is just sitting there waiting at the border because that's how many we got coming from the south. A million people they estimate are going to sneak into this country illegally and take jobs primarily from blacks and Hispanics. Fact. That is a fact. In fact, you know what, Brock? You don't even have to wish for a million of you and a million of Michelle because they're being cloned every single day in almost every stinking government-run university in the United States. You've got gazillions of left-wing-to-be guinea pigs being manufactured who still really think that you're something. Okay, Hillary Clinton. I don't want to leave Brock alone. Let's let's uh, nail Hillary to the wall for some stupidity here briefly, and then we'll move on to another piece that I know you have not heard about. Hillary made an incredibly absurd claim the other day that the voter ID laws cost her the election. This woman still can't get over it, you twice-failed candidate. Hey, you know what? You ever noticed in the media that if there's a Republican speaking who hasn't won a couple of things they've run, they'll say the failed candidate for the governor of California, John Cox, or the failed uh, presidential candidate, whatever. Do they ever say that about a Democrat or Hillary? Why doesn't the article start out with, today, Hillary Rodham, as in R-O-T-T-E-M, Clinton, the twice-failed presidential candidate of the Democrat Party. Why don't they start that way? Well, they're biased. So in other words, here's what Hillary Rodham is saying, that she lost the election because of measures that would have reduced voter fraud. That's what she is saying. Didn't say it that way, but that's exactly what she said. She's basically claiming that it is unfair to prevent voter fraud through voter ID. I mean, this is how de- Democrats work. You could take any problem out there, any problem that exists in the world, remove all moral considerations from how to address the problem, and you will have arrived at the Democrat position on that particular issue. It is okay to commit voter fraud if it furthers her end, the Democrats' end. In other words, the end... The election justifies the means, the voter fraud. Goodness sakes. I don't, you know, why doesn't this woman just go away, please? Here's the next one you haven't heard anything about. Maybe you have, but I doubt it. The Girl Scouts gave one of their highest awards to a girl who organized a pro-abortion campaign. Now, that the fact that the Girl Scouts have gone pro-abort is common knowledge. It should be common knowledge. But what's different is how much the Girl Scouts have come out and been so forthright. There's no closeted support for abortion now. It's outright. Just like in the state of Illinois this week, fast-tracking a bill that will match New York and Virginia's, kill them all, kill everybody, no protection for any child in the womb coming out of the womb. You get Women, you get to do the I want thing, and you get to kill them at any stage you want. That's what's going on in Illinois this week. Gosh, does Chicago stink. Sorry, we got a lot of listeners in Chicago. I like your pizza. I hate your politics. We got some great people that are trying to hang on around that city and that state. But that state has gone to the dark side fast. You know what? We we now call California Western Venezuela, New York Eastern Venezuela. I think Illinois should be called Central Venezuela. But But I digress. According to Life Action News, Girl Scouts here uh, that honored a girl for her voluntary work on, quote, reproductive health justice. That's a quote here. They gave her an award, the highest award, some gold medal, the, I forgot, the gold award. That's what it's called. So what's what she got? This is nothing but a pro, pro-abort group of victimized young girls having that agenda pushed on them. You know, before I forget, if you've got somebody in Girl Scouts, get them out 
If you've got a granddaughter and Girl Scouts, you know something, girl, look up American Heritage. I think it's, I hope I'm right on this because I'm just kind of speaking off the cuff. American Heritage Girls. American Heritage Girls. It's the alternative to the Girl Scouts. I'm sorry. I don't buy their cookies anymore. And you know what? If I'm approached, I will tell them why I don't. It's because I've said, sorry to say, young girl, but your organization pushes abortion, the execution of the innocent, unborn human life. And you know what? Half of them are girls that are killed in the womb by, by people that your organization supports. Try that. You got an obligation to let them know. Goodness sakes, well, they're too young for that. Well, they're too young to be pushing abortion. So if they're, if they're out there pushing abortion, then they ought to be receiving the pushback to abortion. So she gets this award for, quote, reproductive health justice. That's interesting. It certainly uh, is not reproductive because nothing's been reproduced. The child is dead. There is no health because the child is dead. And there is no justice because the victim was innocent. How do you get justice out of killing innocent human life? Where's the justice there? What, they might as well just have a T-shirt. We, we support slaughtering innocent, unborn human life. Okay, now you know on that one. Now, to... Uh, no, I got one more thing here I want to cover here before I'm going to try to fit this in. About four weeks ago, no, I'm not, maybe two, a couple of months ago, I just sort of backed off on California. I was tired of reporting about the state. I'm sick and tired of California, what it does, what it stands for, who it influences. Couldn't care less. I'm thankful that the people there have gotten an abundance of rain this year, proving that the p- passage of Scripture is true. God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Well, there are both there, and I always cited that. Whenever I was giving a sermon in California, I cited that as the reason for why we were getting a, a nicely received rain at that particular time in the middle of a drought, because God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The unjust aren't aware of it. They continue to claim global warming, which incidentally, i got to throw this in, all you global warming activists out there, of which I hope they're basically, a, actually I hope they're a lot listening to this, and the pile of junk you've taken as truth you were supposed to think you're educated, but you've just been indoctrinated. In 132 years of record keeping, February was the first month ever, ever that Los Angeles had, had did not have one single day that ever hit 70 degrees. Not a single day. In fact, I talked with somebody in California today, or yesterday, and, and and she said, well, what kind of weather do you have in there? I said, well, we've been in the mid, low to mid-70s. She said, oh, gosh, does that sound nice. They've been freezing their buns off. So there you go, global warming activists. Anyway, I have backed off on knocking the state because I've just got better things to do with my time. I need to point out something. When stupidity goes on steroids, this is where you end up. Californian legislators over 70, 75% of our Democrats, meaning the Republicans, are completely irrelevant in Sacramento. They have introduced in a state that is filled with legislative excess. In 32 days, they have introduced 2,628 new laws. Do these people read them? Heck no, like Nancy Pelosi. Hey, we got to hurry up and pass it so we can find out what's in it. Do they care that people don't read them? No, they prefer that people don't read the bills because the more you have, the more they can pass, and the press is simply on the side of the Democrats, so they'll never be held accountable. But this is what I find the, the height of stupidity here and, and bias and discrimination emerges in the most popular bill of these 2,628 to emerge. The bill that has the most co-sponsors of any bill in the state of California is a bill that would eliminate the tax on tampons. 
That's right. You heard me right. And all other menstrual products, which I know not of, nor do I care to know of. Is this is this sexually biased? We're going to give women tax-free purchases? Okay, who uses far more deodorant? Who, who needs more deodorant, men or women? Eh, women use deodorant, but you know what? I haven't really smelled that many stinking women in my life, but I've smelled stinking guys from about third grade, right? It's a God-given thing. He lets little boys stink, and that way little girls are turned off, and little girls don't have any interest in little boys until they are more mature and guys learn how to use deodorant. So are we going to take the tax off deodorant because it's going to be of greater benefit to guys because they use more or they should be using more? This is just, I mean, let's just find bills that would be exclusively beneficial to men and remove the tax and let these little crining why baby Democrats go wild saying that it's sexist, but they are, they're fine removing the tax on tampons. So I guess if it's that time of month, ladies, and you're in Nevada, Arizona, make a quick trip over to Blythe or State Line or someplace and get, get your tax-free uh, products. Or anybody listening anywhere in this country, you make uh, a trip to California, uh, bring an extra suitcase. Um, but you know what? My thought here is that this is patently, totally, completely unconstitutional. To pass a tax break that only is for women and does not include any benefit for men, does that not violate the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution? Absolutely. But do Democrats care anything about the Constitution? Of course not. They can't tell the Constitution from toilet paper, and they treat the former like the latter. Well, ah, boy, where do I go here? I've got to, I want to touch briefly on hate crimes here. I was going to talk about the number of American deaths, just unbelievable from alcohol, drugs, and suicide, broke a record. I'll streak through this. Broke a record this, uh, the last countable year. They don't have the stats from 2018, 2018 completely tallied, <clears throat> but they have them from 2017. There were a record 1,100, I'm sorry, 151,845 deaths in 2017 from alcohol and drug abuse and suicide. Now, this number, let's put this in perspective. This number, which is up uh, 6% just from the year before, which is about 10,000 people, that number is more than double the figure from 1990, more than doubled in less than 20 years. The report also found that deaths by opioids increased from 2016 to 2017 by 45%. 45%. In five years, deaths from opioids has increased 1,000%. You see, this was my problem with Barack Hussein let all these drug dealers out of prison when he just had these major commutations of their sentences, reduced their sentences, or, or just pardoned them, saying these are... These are nonviolent crimes. Nonviolent crimes, Brock, is that right? So every person who's stuck on drugs, who's killing and robbing people and doing whatever they can for money because they're so strung out. No, I think drug dealers should be executed. Always have, always felt like they should be executed. They say, gosh, you'd be executing all these people. Hey, you know what if you executed drug dealers for killing a whole bunch of people through the sale of drugs, which you could, you could connect the deaths of people who have killed themselves or by accidentally or intentionally to the use of the drug tied to the person who sold it to them, knowing that the person who sold it to them sold it to them with the knowledge that they may well die, then just execute the drug dealer. No problem. You say, well, hey, you're going to have a lot of people actually you know what? If you executed them, you wouldn't have the, as much of the problem. More than 1,000 Americans died from opioid, or, or, opioid overdoses. Over 1,000 Americans die from opioid overdoses every two weeks. That was 2017. It's up for 2018. We just don't have the final numbers. 
Do you see, if you were wanted to follow the Communist Manifesto and, and, and all these things that you wanted to do to destroy America, go read the old Communist Manifesto. You push queerdom. You push, you push everything sexually debauched. You try to increase the divorce rate. You uh, push drugs into the culture. Whether they do that today, I don't know. You, they, the, 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 the Russians don't have to do it anymore. You got the Democrats doing it. Suicide deaths rose 4% just in one year. Largest increase in rates ever. Now, this is interesting. Suicide-related deaths. The top category for suicide-related deaths in the United States are white men in rural areas. Isn't that interesting? Now, suicide rates for children and adolescents increased by 16% in one year. But the leading group of suicide-related deaths are white men in rural areas. Now, why do I find this intriguing? Because the, here's the left's answer. Quote, quoting John Auerbach, president and CEO of TIFA, said, we need a comprehensive approach with attention to the upstream root causes, which are like, like, well, is it, is it like child... Is it like childhood trauma? Well, is it like childhood trauma or is it childhood trauma? Sorry, I don't like the misuse of the word like. But anyway, the root causes, childhood trauma, poverty, and discrimination. Folks, we have, there are more people getting support. In other words, being there are more people on the dole in this country than there ever have been. There's less discrimination there's ever been. Honestly, come on, if there's discrimination, it's starting to equal out in which direction that discrimination is being applied. But let me understand something here. This is the left. They always the answer is a, it's poverty and discrimination. Well, what in these numbers for suicidal deaths and drug deaths relate to poverty and discrimination? What look? How many white men in rural areas are being discriminated against? That that would even be a possible cause for being the leading peop, a group of people who commit suicide. There is no connection in the study to poverty. Look, the the people who are committing uh, overdoses come from high high affluent families where the kids actually can afford the drugs to the poor families where they have to steal for the drugs or what have you. No connection whatsoever. No mention of a socioeconomic factor in who is doing what to themselves. But there you have it. The left, I'm not going to get to my hate crimes thing. we got to break out into what we are going to cover. The Omar story, the Jew hatred, the new level, you're not, you're not going to want to miss what follows our break. It's going to be our top story. But as I promised, as soon as I get done with that story, I do have a little bit of good news inserted before we get to the end. We'll be right back. Rob Walter, Red Sky Radio. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. Really, really where I'm going to 
We are back. This is Rob Wolder with Red Sky Radio. Okay, so we have Ilhan Shmakbar Omar here, who is, uh, she's a Jew hater. In fact, I've got to back up a second already. I just got started. This I've got to back up. All the Jew haters now are in the Democrat Party. Which is still amazing that 71% of Jews voted for Hillary Clinton. Now, the number of Jews increasingly voting for Republicans is are increasing, I mean, it's rising, but not among the old Reformed Jews, which are not very Jewish in their, frankly, in their religious perspectives, only in their ethnic perspective, not even in a nationalistic perspective. They're, they're not really very Jewish. But I have said before, and I'm going to start this story with this statement again. Many things God can kind of wink at. In fact, he even says in Scripture, in the, in the Old Testament, it said that there are nations which their their unrighteousness and the things that they did wrong, God w- sort of winked at in times past. It doesn't mean he overlooked it entirely, but God, being God, understands their lack of knowledge and when a people or a nation have not been taught and not rooted in something biblical, then what is to ever constrain them from participating in ungodly behaviors? It's a very, very simple thing. But I have stated many times that as the United States continues to slide into the ultimate rat hole, whether it is queer sex whether it is increased influence of secular humanism, whether it's t- whether it is uh, uh, just this maniacal move to the left to kill our innocent unborn children, there is always hope for the United States as long as we remained an ally of Israel. Always, God blesses those who bless them. But I've also said everything that this country has been doing is leading towards the anti-Semitic, anti-Israel conclusion to the destiny of the United States, unless it changes. Because God will pull the plug when that becomes the official policy. And I have further said that every single denomination, church denomination in this country, that has slid down the path of pro-abortion, pro-queer, LGBTQRUSTUV, S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z, everything in the church, queer pastors, elders, deacons, including the, the church that now serves free beer. I can't remember where that was, somewhere in the United States. They now, to get more people in, they're serving free beer. Well, anyway, as a church's slide on all these social issues, in other words, they simply trample the Bible and ignore God's word, but call themselves the righteous. The more that happens, and you can go right on down the line, Episcopal Church, Presbyterian Church USA, United Church of Christ, you 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 just go right on down the line. It always, always leads to an ultimate position, and that is severing themselves from the nation of Israel. And they are all doing it. It's the last stop for a denomination before. It is denominational suicide. But they don't think so. They think that this is how they can gain relevance is to join the crowd and bash Israel while they're pushing queer stuff and abortion and all these other things. But it's the end game. When a church turns in that direction and it does not stop, it's that freight train. You can't slow it down until finally it just has such a high speed that it just runs the rails and destroys. It self-destructs. But it ends with hating Israel. The United States is following the same pattern set by these demonically inspired churches, or certainly demonically influenced churches, that are an embarrassment. They're a shame. I mean, when somebody mentions Presbyterian USA or Episcopal, does God have to run to the window, throw it open, and hurl? I don't know. Look, I've got great compassion. Jesus is my model. I have great compassion for those who loved, love the unloved, those who have never heard the word. The woman caught in adultery. 
I have, however, embraced zero compassion, like Jesus held zero compassion, for those who held the truth in unrighteousness. Not only would they not enter in, they prevented other people from entering in. And they would go around the world trying to proselytize the world in their whoredoms, spiritual whoredoms, rendering their proselytes twice the child of hell that they are. Those were always directed at the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the church folk at that time in Israel, who were many of whom, not all, many of whom were utter dastardly hypocrites. <clears throat> dastard. No, it wouldn't be dastardly. Okay? So here's the deal. Love who Jesus loves, and it's okay to hate who Jesus hates. God doesn't love everybody. I, mean, I love Jacob. I hate Esau. I don't know. Go figure that out. There's a bunch of, and now other people say, well, hate doesn't really mean hate. Well, look, Jesus dealt harshly with the hypocrites in the temple. He rearranged the furniture. He got a bullwhip. He called them, you know, all the names Jesus called them, brood of vipers whitewashed graves, white on the outside like you're fake clean, but inside you're a tomb, you're a tomb of death. Jesus had no use for him, spoke harshly, that means we can too, but we also need to love those who he loved. Those are, those are on the outside. Jesus' grace is immeasurable, unfathomable, unlimitable, indeterminable. It, it's, it, can't even, it can't be quantified in any way, shape, or form. Those who know better, and still proceed in unrighteousness and leading others down the path to hell. They're scum, and I don't pray for them, other than that they just destruct and then rise up out of the ashes as something new. Let the dead bones, let all the bones be dead, and let the prophet come along and speak life into those dead bones, and maybe that church will rise up to be what it once was. Okay? Those churches have ended in anti-Israel bigotry, anti-Semitic. They've become Jew haters. They have. This is what's happening to the U.S. And when the U.S. officially condones people like Jew hating, I don't mean she's not anti-Semitic. She's just a Jew hater, like the Muslim from Detroit. Talib Shmalib or whatever the heck her name is, and then Omar Shmomar here from Minnesota. The Somalian, what's wrong with her? What was that one song? What's Somali you? What's Somali me? What's Somali? Uh, shut up, you face. I don't remember how that song goes. It goes back a long ways. She needs to shut up or get out. I would prefer that she gets out. But the Democrats tolerate this. And is this become, this is becoming, Jew hating is becoming an official part of the Democrat Party platform. But they don't call it Jew-hating. They call it anti-Israel. How interesting. See, when you're a Jew-hater, you can't be known as a Jew-hater. you got to go buy something else. So you start saying, I'm anti-Israel. I don't hate Jews. So the Democrats today, they didn't condemn her uh, this, uh, yesterday. They passed a resolution uh, where they said, we, con- we condemn all the rise in hate in the United States. All the- we condemn all of it, Islamophobia and homophobia and all this other crapola that has become to identify that party. Now, I'm actually glad in some senses that the Democrats did that. Why? Because it will embolden... Jew haters like Talib Shmalib and Omar Shmomar to continue to shoot their mouth off and further reveal the soft underbelly, the dark side underneath the Democrat refrigerator filled with old crummy crumbs and scum and mouse turds that reside underneath the Democrat refrigerator. I actually like that they're coming out and reveal themselves for who they are. But the hypocrisy of the Democrats in this is beyond belief. Now, keep in mind, Omar Shomar, one of her biggest fans, is David Duke. I, I find this humorous. The former Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, 
who is an avowed Jew hater, loves Omar because he knows she isn't just anti-Israel. She's anti-Jew. She's a Jew hater. That's why he has called her the greatest member in Congress. The greatest member in Congress. From one of the most visible Jew haters of the past has called Omar the greatest member of Congress, which can only be if she is a true Jew hater herself. And she is. I don't care less if somebody, well, no, I got to move along. I was digressing. So the Democrats came out, and this is what they said. We are are committed to decisively condemning anti-Semitism, racism, white supremacy, Islamophobia, homophobia, and the rise in hate that has taken place in this country, perhaps coincidentally over the last two years since January of 2017. That's their statement, end quote. In other words, we're condemning all this stuff that's happened since Trump came into office. It doesn't say anything about black racism or any other kind of racism, but this is the the thing. Of course, they they, they condemn Trump as being a cause here. But we, other than King's remarks, which were somewhat taken out of context, do we have other congressmen speaking out and blasting queers? I'm not in Congress. Blasting Islam? Blasting uh, anything? I mean, we don't have any of that going on. So why, Democrats, do you have to come out with a statement that throws everybody in the same bucket when you don't have that going on by any member in Congress except your Jew-hating Omar Shmomar? This is about the people in Congress. Yeah, go condemn the hate. Fine. But is that really necessary? Look, all you Democrats have done for years, your campaign things have been, they've only got an eight-word vocabulary, seven, eight, or nine, right? Islamophobia, homophobia, hate crimes, hate speech, uh, global warming, and then the F word because they don't have any brains and because... That uh, the the puny mind uh, has to use um, profanity to express itself forcibly. That's what happens when you get to you have a puny mind. That's the only the only thing you got to work with. Well, that's those are their campaign speeches. You do not need to say this, Democrats, for the eighty ninth time or the hundred and eighty ninth time. We get it. We've heard you ad nauseum. So now you need to do it again to cover the Jew haters that are in your party? Well, that's about it. Three of the candidates, including Kamala Harris, check out her website, www, I don't know what it is, which stands now, for, of course, for the Wicked Witch of the West. The three candidates who are actively supporting her and now say that it's okay to take issue with Israel. Well, it has always been okay to take issue with any particular country. But all the countries of the world only take issue with Israel. They've been Jew-bashing and Jew-hating forever. And you got Shmomar here, which somebody just rip her burqa off or see, see what the rest of her head looks like. You've got Steny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, a Democrat from Maryland, he tells reporters, he expressed concern over Omar's comments, but he said, saying there, quote, there's a danger to this type of rhetoric, but I don't think she's anti-Semitic. So Ocasio-Cortez comes out, Alexandria, hey, do you know there's a new T-shirt out, called a new mega, mega T-shirt that says, Make Alexandria Go Away? She said that um, Democrats should deal privately with Omar. And don't call her out publicly for her comments. Well, then, you little nerd, why don't you deal privately with all of the issues you're ranting and raving and shooting your humongously fat mouth and bug eyes out out, uh, every day of your life and tweeting this and that? Why don't you shut up, you hypocrite? So the so-called progressives, and I got to take it, I got to take issue with Sean Hannity 
Rush Limbaugh. Guys, I love icons in the business. On one thing, why do they keep calling Democrats progressive when they're really regressive? How can you be progressive, meaning you're moving forward, when you're killing the innocent unborn in the womb, which is what they did 2,000 years ago, offering up their children as sacrifices to the gods Molech and Ashtoreth. How is going back 2,000 years progressive? That's regressive. How is queer this, queer that, queer everything in life, pushing queer this, pressuring, uh, intimidating, suing people who stand up for righteousness? How is the push of the queer agenda progressive when God smoked Sodom and Gomorrah and the sodomite factory that that town was running thousands of years ago. How is that moving forward? How is gun control, meaning gun confiscation, progressive when that's what Joe Stalin did? It's what Adolf Hitler did. It's what Idi Amin did. It's what Fid- How is it progressive to go back to a string of communist socialist dictators? So knock it off, you guys. Quit using the word progressive when they've got regressive. That is their term. So they don't. They go out and they defend this loser. And why do they have to defend her? Because she's a democrat, and Talib, the democrat Muslim from uh, from Michigan, same thing. She's a Jew hater. Now, if you're going to be a Muslim and run for office, that's one thing. But if if your key feature of being Muslim is hating Jews, then get out of this country and don't let any more in. No burqas in Congress. Rip those suckers off. Let's see who you really are. What, do, do, would, would everybody where else be able to wear hats and coverings and masks over their face in Congress? This isn't a religious thing. This is about Jew-hating. Clear and simple. So Ocasio-Cortez comes to the defense of her close ally in Congress, this Jew hater, saying that this was hurtful, that the Democratic leadership was trying to reprimand Omar for anti-Semitic comments while not doing the same when it comes to statements about Latinos and Latin communities. Well, wait a second. This knucklehead is stating Why are we not condemning those remarks? Who has been making those remarks that are anti-Mexican, anti-Latin in Congress? Who is standing up and bashing Mexicans in Congress? Eh, Zero, not a zilch, but that's who you got. So the fact of the matter is, and I got to quote, I got to hurry up here because I got to get to the good news portion, which I didn't fit in the middle. It's going to have to come at the end of this program. The Democrat Party is now officially an, an, a Jew-hating party. They can't, the, their excuses are just incredible. As Ben Shapiro said, look, there's no apology um, anymore for what the, the Muslim legislators are shooting off their anti-Israel, uh, but they're actually, he doesn't say, he doesn't use the word Jew-haters, I use that. So the claim here, first of all, to defend Omar is that, uh, and I will quote Shapiro, the, the common excuse has been that Omar must not have known what she was saying. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has said that Omar was, quote, or was not, quote, intentionally anti-Semitic. That's Nancy, Miss Big Brains Pelosi. She was not accident, she was not intentionally anti-Semitic. So what are you saying, Nancy? She was she accidentally hates Jews? She's an accidental Jew hater. She also said that she does not believe that Omar understands the weight of her words. Well, that's probably true. They go on and further say that she's actually, uh, what she's saying is the result of childlike naivete. Okay, so you brilliant Somalians in Minnesota, what are you doing electing somebody who does not know that what she says actually has weight, who um, is an accidental Jew hater, who is so childlike and brain dead that she it's childlike naivete. What are you doing electing her? And what are you Democrats doing putting her on the Foreign Affairs Committee? They also say she's not anti-Semitic. She's just anti-Israel. 
Cammy Harris went even further, suggested the criticism of Omar actually puts Omar at risk. This is amazing. This is the new, listen to this forthcoming. This is a new democrat approach. To be, anti, to be anti-Semitic isn't really Jew-hating. We don't like Israel. It's anti-Israel. And Shapiro pointed out in an article, he says, a German, 2014 German court found that three Palestinian men who firebombed a synagogue in Germany weren't anti-Semitic. They were merely anti-Israel. Let me, post, let me propose, postulate this. You are, uh, let's just say you're Hispanic, and uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm just picking out a race. And you're a straight guy. You got attacked by a queer guy when you were young. You go into a bar and you shoot and kill all the queer men that are in this queer bar. And it's in the bars. The, the queer bars tend to segregate between men and women, of course, because they're not interested in the other sex. Right. So you go in there and and the excuse is. I was not shooting queers. I would hate them because all the men were white. Okay. See, listen to the stupidity that this leads to. Um, okay, uh, no, I firebombed and blew to smithereens those mosques in Minnesota, not because I'm anti-Muslim or because I hate a Muslim, it's because I'm anti-Somalian. I don't like Somalians. I don't like Somalia. I'm anti-Somalia, and I'm anti-Somalian had nothing to do with the fact that they were Muslims. This is what the Democrats are expecting you to take up. And listen to that. This is their slide into official Jew-hating. And remember, they are now the leading party in the House of Representatives. i got to hurry up with some good news here. Good news. i got to read you this. I meant to fit this into the middle of the program. Didn't I, I spent too much time on other things. Look up this new organization called Jexodus, J-E-X-O-D-U-S dot org. These are Jewish millennials who are launching a liberation movement from the Democrat Party. Let me read you their statement. This is great news. The old Jews in this country are died in the wool Democrats for whatever reason, I don't know. But the young Jews, different story. Listen to this. We are proud Jewish millennials, tired of living in bondage to leftist politics. We reject the hypocrisy, anti-Americanism, and anti-Semitism of the rising far left. Progressive Democrats and far too many old school Jewish organizations take our support for granted. After all, we're Jewish, and Jews vote for Democrats. Until today. We are determined and we are unafraid to speak for ourselves. As combatants and veterans of the campus wars, we know the threat progressivism poses to Jews. We've had front row seats witnessing anti-Semites hide behind their thin veil of anti-Zionism. We know the BDS movement harbors deep hatred, not only for Israel, but for Jews. We're done standing with supposed Jewish leaders and allegedly supportive Democrats who rationalize mainstream and promote our enemies. We'd rather spend, oh, this, this last sentence gives me goosebumps. We'd rather spend 40 years wandering in the desert than belong to a party that welcomes Jew haters like Ilhan Omar, Rashida Talab, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, end quote. Now, I've said in the past, this is what keeps me going, is seeing a remnant coming behind me, a remnant coming behind me, a breaking away. And you know what? It had to get this bad.
KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. Hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. Britain's parliament has voted against a no-deal Brexit, as BBC correspondent Rob Watson reports. But what has essentially happened is that the majority of MPs have ruled out the idea of Britain leaving the European Union without any kind of a deal at all, not just before March the 29th, but also during any form of extension. So we're, we're now much clearer about that, that it would be amazingly difficult for any Prime Minister to take